Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Everything's coming up to, to Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah. In the zone, simple dedication to the team when you're in the know. To, to Timberwolves. Yeah, yeah. In the soul, lifting all the positivity for the wolves to grow. So, where are we going from here, man? We listen week to week to get the clearest to clear. Recaps, got that. South Cap, got that. Team ads, got that. So tell me what they do not have, huh? question to ask, but I don't mean to go brag, but boy, they got all the stats, and they could go all the way back, from KG to Zerbiak, and all I'm saying is that, the cast the one-stop shot for my timber, wolves, timber, wolves, ain't a thing falling, everything's coming up, timber, wolves, timber, wolves, falling from the autumn, ain't nobody gonna stop them, it's the timber, wolves, timber, wolves, phonies, you can spot them, they the sheep under their clothes, timber, wolves, timber, Talk a lot about them, y'all don't really, really know. Let's go. Welcome in to another Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. My name is Gabe Anderson. And the surprise that I uh, that, that I uh, basically told you guys about was I put the Beverly uh, going up in the scores table at the end of the intro. Nice. So, like I said, nice. small surprise, but I, I thought, yeah, I, I, I thought that we needed some we, we should get with the 21st century and put in some current stuff. Like my intention is to eventually put in the dunk versus Miami and then we'll, we'll throw it all out there. Anyway, this is the everything's coming up. Timberwolves podcast. My name is Gabe Anderson and I'm joined as always by Chris Emerson, Chris on the eve of the playoffs. How are we doing, man? We're doing wonderful. We're doing really good. Um, like I said in that little bit of a podcast we had uh, a couple of days ago, man, we're coming in with Game 7 energy. Like, mm-hmm. there, there couldn't have been a better game script for us uh, going forward than what happened last game. Absolutely. And Jared back with us. He missed last episode, but he is back uh, to talk everything and anything playoffs. Jared, good. How we doing? Uh, I, absolutely on cloud nine. I'm sure you guys saw my picture on Facebook uh, of me holding my hand in the air. You know, I was so excited uh, watching that game. It, it, you know, it like I, I listened to your guys' uh, podcast the other day, um, and, and like you guys said, it almost felt like it was just, like, so necessary for us to finally have that feeling. And, yeah. and I it was kind of listening to you guys talk about national media and how everyone was ripping us. And and I love how you guys both said, screw them. We deserve that. We Minnesota sports fans needed that victory, and they needed that that good feeling in the air. Like I said, if, if I if I didn't have one hand in my uh, or one phone, one hand on my phone trying to take that picture, I would have had both my ha- fists high up in the air because that was that was fun to watch, man. And it felt yeah. good. Yeah, as you may have noticed, I lost my voice for like two days. It was difficult uh, teaching kids algebra without a voice, but we did it. <laughs> We made it through. Sometimes you just got to do it. So that's Hell right. Yeah. You're you're a, you're a trooper, man. Absolutely. It's the everything's coming up Timberwolves podcast, and let's get into it. Uh, it's the series that I've heard a lot of national media is actually very excited about, and obviously we are too. It's uh, Wolves Memphis. 
this is the I believe the it has to be the first time ever they've ever met in the playoffs, right? Like there's no way because yeah. they used to be in Vancouver and they were garbage when they were in Vancouver. So I don't think they've ever met in the playoffs. So it's the first time Jaw versus Beverly. Uh, we got Ant in there, D'Lo, Cat. Man, let's just start off. Chris, what are you looking for in this series? Like, what what are some of the key matchups? I mean, what's going to be most interesting is just the overall teams. Um, I mean, the Grizzlies are pretty much it's they, they play pretty much the exact way we do, only mm-hmm. slightly better. Like they're you know number one in the league in steals, we're number three. They're number one in the league in blocks, we're number three. They're number one in the league in offensive rebounds, we're number six. You know, everything that they're that you know, they're number what is it? Free throws attempted, they're up there. Like they're they're seven, we're eight. Like we're all so close on so many things that um, it's just going to be fun to see who does what. You know, offensive rebounds, for example. I, I mean, that's what's going to be a huge deciding mm-hmm. factor. Like in the one game when they had twenty five offensive rebounds, um, mm-hmm. you know, they're number one in offensive rebounds. We're six. Like. Um, we're right there with them in almost everything. And if we can just kind of dominate, you know, in some of those categories over them, I mean, that'll be the game, you know, fast break points again, they're right up there, number one or two, and we're right up there. So, I mean, it's going to be really fun to see how the two teams with very similar play styles, um, you know, work with each other. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Jared, what you looking for in this series? So I think uh, Chris brought up a lot of really good points. Um, we are almost like a, a mirror image of the Grizzlies, which Chris was kind of alluding to. Um, so I, I think uh, this series is going to be good. I think it's going to be long. Um, it's going to be a fun series. Um, but the one thing that I'm really looking forward to that Chris didn't mention was uh, – Jaron Jackson Jr. playing defense on Carl Anthony Towns. I think we're going to see that quite a bit as well. Obviously, Stephen Adams cannot play defense on Carl Anthony Towns. He's just too slow um, and too and too big for the most part. But the reason why that 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 kind of that matchup kind of intrigues me is both of these guys have had foul troubles for since basically the beginning of their career. Um, so I know Jaron Jackson Jr. was a little bit better this season um, with his health and staying out of foul trouble a little bit better, but it's still a lingering issue for him and has been his whole career. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that's going to be really intriguing to me, um, not only because of the fact that they're both pretty damn good players, but like it's a really important issue when you talk about fouls with both of those players. So I think that's my, like, my biggest key factor is how does Cat stay out of foul trouble and how does Jaron Jackson Jr., defending him stay out of follow trouble because I think it's going to be a real big issue in this series. Yeah. Um, so I guess that, that's my biggest point for this series. That's mm-hmm. good. Absolutely. Uh, so looking at the season series, which matters a little bit, doesn't matter too much, uh, but the Grizzlies-Wolves tied 2-2. Uh, two to two. Um, Yeah, so yeah, pretty close on that end. The big one, I remember the Wolves at Target Center just – Absolutely stomped them on. I believe it was a, it was one thirty eight to ninety five. We were and up by forty five at one point that game. Yeah, it Pat Bev did that thing uh, at the end of the first quarter when Tyus Jones or yeah Tyus Jones threw up a layup. He came and blocked the ball, but it was on the way down. I don't know if you remember that. Like after the yeah, time after the buzzer, yeah, 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 <laughs> just petty. 
just petty yeah. shit. Uh, but uh, that's Pat Beverly, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and then the other one, Grizzlies, or the other win, one nineteen to one fourteen. That was with John ja Morant as well. So, I mean, this series. I mean, it, was, could... it was crazy. I mean, the last one we won was that one when D'Lo went for forty, but they had twenty-five offensive rebounds. Right, and. I mean, D'Lo, you know, must have scored like 12 straight for us to win at the end. It was amazing. Um, we had an overtime game in there. Um, oh, yeah, that one Pat made that unbelievable. Yeah, we had a game where um, John Conchar went for 17 rebounds. Um, <laughs> that was wild. 15 points, 17 rebounds by like a shooting guard. That was ridiculous. But in mm. that game, we ended up uh, losing by eight. But they shot – we shot 14 free throws and they shot 35, you know, like right. that you can't beat that. So, I mean, that's what I'm going to be really interested in is free throw differential. Um, that's, I mean, as much as Timberwolves fans like to complain about not getting calls, we are top 10 in free throws attempted. So it's hard to, um, mm. to really nag on that, but uh, you know, it's hard to beat a team if they've got 10, 15 more free throw attempts. Right, Jared, go ahead. Yeah, I, I I really think it's interesting when you talk about free throws because, like you guys alluded in the last podcast, I, I kind of listened to it from front to back because I'm a Timberwolves nerd and I love listening to you guys talk about fucking the Wolves. But um, they, you guys talked about uh, the free throw differential and how um, – I forget what the exact quote was, but it was like after the first quarter or something like that and we had two free throws and they had nine, you know, and that just kind of seems to be like – you know, it's amazing that we're top ten. I guess I would say when when you look at the other at the other teams' free throws, because it seems like almost always we're always getting outshot at the free throw line, which is yeah. really weird too. Because like we drive and we get in the paint, and I think it was maybe uh, points in the paint or second chance points or something. We destroyed them, and which doesn't make any sense because you would think if you're in the paint and you're getting yeah. all these extra buckets you'd probably be getting to the free throw line that's just not the case with the wolves and i thought that was really interesting i think chris brought it up last podcast and yeah it's paint scoring yeah we were, it, we were way up in paint scoring and way down in free throw attempts and that usually doesn't happen that just doesn't make sense but um yeah so free throws are obviously going to be a big deal um in this series and, and i think just the way the wolves are officiated in general like the wolves play fast and they they are handsy at times and sometimes they they garner the calls that they get. Like there's not like I'm not just gonna sit here and say, oh, that was a bad call every time. Like there's times where, you know, there is a foul, but I want to see it called both ways because there was yeah. there was something in the Clippers game that Ant got called. I think it was Ant, it was Ant or Cat got called for an offensive foul. And there's then Paul Cat. George, and then Paul George comes down, does the exact same thing and gets an and one. It's like, dude, you know, like yeah. call it both ways if you're gonna call it that way, you know. And I think that's where Wolves fans get frustrated in a way. And it was literally the next time down. I think it was literally the next possession or something. Yeah, it was, it was ridiculous. But. I mean, what hurts the Timberwolves is I think we're number one in the NBA in fouling, like, yeah. by a decent amount. I mean, I know for a long stretch of the time we had, like, three guys in the top five in fouls per <laughs> game. So, like, yeah, I mean, we're going to be putting guys on the line. What, mm-hmm. what I'm – another thing I'm looking I'm, – I'm worried about or interested in watching is Dylan Brooks. Um, he's been out most of the year. And he's kind of their defensive stopper on the wing too. So, mm-hmm. and he's like a thick, kind of meaty character. 
So it's going to be interesting to see if he matches up on, on Edwards, um, if he matches up on D'Lo. I would assume he'll be on D'Lo, and they'll try to put Ja maybe on, on Beverly to try to – you know, Ja's a pretty terrible defender, to be honest. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But Dylan Brooks, I mean, that guy can score too. I mean, his yeah, last, I was just about to bring up Dylan Brooks. One, two, yeah. three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So that's eight games. It looks like he's averaging about 23 points a game. But career-wise, like historically, Dylan Brooks, from just what I remember in the past couple of years, he's also the kind of guy that'll drop like a, a four for 14 night shooting. Like he's known mm-hmm. to be a chucker. And um, that's a good thing. Like if he wants, if he's off, he can lose you a game fairly easily. So we'll see what kind of Dylan Brooks we get. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And the other guy that I wanted to mention, other than obviously John Morant, which they, which do or die, a lot of it's going to come down to how well John Morant and how well D'Lo plays. But uh, Desmond Bain, he has had an absolute career year this year. He's 18.2 points per game. And what really stands out to me, 43% from behind the three-point line. We are going to need to yeah. get out to him and get a hand on him. Even but but at the same time, you gotta you gotta contain Morant going to the rim at the same time. So it's I, I under looking at some of the stats, I understand why the Grizzlies have the second best record in the league and did a lot of it towards the end of the year without the likes of John Morant. Yeah, I mean he's a monster. He's he's a lot like like Beasley was for us last year. You know, averaging almost 20 points and just a flamethrower where if he gets hot, you know, he'll come down and he'll put three or four threes right in your right in your face. Um, the guy can play. Mm-hmm. I think the thing with the Grizzlies, I know I brought this up when we played Dallas. Um, they, they kind of remind me a little bit of Dallas um, in a way, with, but just a little bit better with the way they shoot the ball. Um, I remember talking about high screen and role play and, and how we were running that sink in defense. Um I hope that we can defend the three-point line a little bit better, and I know that all three of us were kind of frustrated with that sink-in defense. Um, so, I mean, I, I hope that's not our plan, but uh, definitely, uh, you know, something that has to be talked about in practice, or I hope was talked about in practice today and, and yesterday, um, is just rotational stuff. You know, you guys got to rotate. You got to know where your spot is. You got to know when to sink in on help side and know who you're sinking off of to be in that help side situation. Like if you're sinking off to, to, to try and body up uh, Adams and, and then leave Desmond Bain wide open for three, that's probably not a good, good idea. Um, yeah. So I just like little stuff like that, I think is going to be super important in this series. Um, but yeah, definitely. Uh, I hope, I hope Finch had the boys working on defensive rotations because they're going to need it. Mm-hmm. So here's my question that I have for you guys. So we watched in the play in game, uh, we saw the bench kind of shorten up. Now, we, we saw, obviously, uh, Josh Okogie get in uh, for, like, I don't know, seven seconds and then draw a foul and then get pulled out. But <laughs> Terrible well, foul, too. As, as Yeah, no, that was bad. That, that was bad timing of that foul. I, I think that was just, like, sitting on the bench and then wanting to make a play. And then, yeah. There's a reason Josh Okogie doesn't play that much. But that that wasn't my point. Uh, do we see much of J-Mac? Um, in this series because he did not play at all. And I'm talking about McLaughlin, not uh, – yeah. yeah. Do, we, do we see 
do we see much of him? Does he get rotated in like maybe like five minutes a game or something? Or does it just depend on foul trouble or injuries? What do you think? Or do you think if if the Wolves are completely full strength, we see any of him? I think Um, we see him a little bit. Um, I, I think, like you said, five to, you know, probably not more than 10 minutes. Um, it, it, you're maybe just seeing him um, when when D'Lo takes a break. Because in reality, if D'Lo and Antar aren't on the floor, we have literally no other ball handlers on the team. So, um, you know, if Ant's in foul trouble, you'll absolutely see him. Because I don't know if the plan is to have Ant run the one or, or just be the one from the two spot. Um, but I, I do think we'll see J-Mac a little bit. you got to understand – you know, in a one-game winner-take-all type of game, you're going to run everybody as hard as you can and as deep as you can and play as many minutes as you can and play them with four fouls in the first half because you need that game. In a seven-game series, I think it's a little different. Um, I think you see um, – I mean, I think all of our stars are going to play 30 to 35 minutes, but I don't think you'll see very many times where they push 40 unless it's like a elimination game. So I think you'll see J Mac mixed in there, and we gotta we gotta remind ourselves J Mac has actually played pretty serviceably. Like he's no, he's more. fine. I just yeah. am wondering if, if if we'll see him at all. Yeah, no, yeah. and and that's what I'm getting at is he's he's done his job. His job is not to do anything else other than what he's done this season. And I think that at I mean I think. I think Okogi checked in the game there is where you would, would kind of see like a, a J-Mac. It's just out of a necessity because Prince wasn't in. Um, so our, our bench is kind of thin right, right. now. And and I think I think Prince is actually probably going to end up playing again. So I, stuff will change a little bit. I And we'll get to you, Chris, in a second. I think the Okogi thing was the game. I mean, we ended up winning. But the game was starting to go south, and I think that was Finch like trying something. Like, hey, what if I throw this super aggressive a guy out? Maybe some good will happen. But obviously, I don't think it was a long term plan. And I, I think he immediately after the foul was like, oh, never mind. This was. <laughs> but what well, was end of quarter? I mean, it was end of quarter, true, yeah. and we had guys that were in foul trouble. And he's like, instead of Ant picking up a foul, instead of Beverly picking up a foul here, we'll send this you know schlub out here to see if you can defend this literally one possession and then we'll take it to the take it to the quarter and he did um about jmac i mean what it comes down to is what you need like what do you need at the time the reason why um noel played over jmac in game one is we were stagnant on offense and we needed a guy who literally only sees the basket and that's when you need that that's who noel is and he need you know he, he got a layup right away and then he had like three bad shots but that's what you're going to get with Noel. He's going to be aggressive trying to score. So if you're in a if you're kind of on a slump or you're sluggish when it comes to like putting points on the on the board, that's where Noel is the guy. Um and then when it comes if you're maybe your energy's slow, you know, and the ball's not moving around and you need a little spark, that's where J Mac would be the guy. You know, and and mm-hmm. with a guy like John Morant, um he's going to be able to defend him because he's similar size. You know, he's not going to get completely bodied. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I think we'll see him. But I think Finch pretty much uses him or Noel as the backup point guard. Um, obviously, when it's Noel, they have somebody else be the main ball, ball you know, play creator. But um, I think I think he'll be one of those two probably every game for five minutes. And mm-hmm. it'll depend on, on what the climate of the game is. Right, absolutely. And I, I think – 
the prince coming. Do we know is he a go tomorrow? Do we know? No, he's questionable still. Okay. All right. We need him. He he had knee inflammation was his injury. So I mean it's probably one of those wait and see I'm kind sure, of things, I'm I guess. So sure they've got a syringe for that. <laughs> right. Yeah, so, he'll be like A Rod. Do you remember when he came out in that playoff game and he was just cooked out of his mind when he, <laughs> when he had yeah. that knee injury? <laughs> yeah. That's our owner. That's our owner. <laughs> uh but anyway, or to be owner, I guess partial owner right now, but Anyway, uh, so something interesting that I saw from the Wolves, uh, particularly in that play-in game that I didn't get to mention or that we that I didn't mention uh, last time, I felt like now in this change throughout the game, obviously, I felt like the Wolves came out and they almost weren't ready for the energy of that stadium. Like they, like their offense got really stagnant. I felt like they were almost playing like end of game ball, you know, where the, the offense becomes stagnant and it's just one guy attacking. I feel like they were playing that in the first quarter. And I, I think that's kind of what slowed them down uh, a little bit. That was just my, just no. me watching inside of the arena that that's kind of what, I, that's kind of what it felt like. And then I think once the game went on, they kind of, they kind of eased into that. So I think they'll be ready for it uh, against Memphis because I think Memphis is going to bring the heat. I think the crowd is going to be, um, just, you know, a regular playoff crowd, which uh, a lot of the Wolves don't have too much experience with. And it's going to be interesting because obviously the Wolves pulled it out in that game when the crowd was on their side. What's going to happen when the crowd is that loud and it's anti them? Uh, I just I, I just wonder that. But what, what do you think? Do you think the crowd, do you think there'll be a learning curve for that for some of these young players, Chris? I think, I mean, I think what it comes is it starts with, it starts with D'Lo. And what D'Lo, it looked like he was forcing it, you know, mm-hmm. and there's no worse player in the Tim, on the Timberwolves than D'Lo when he forces it. And the first, his first little stint, uh, to me, I mean, when I was watching it right away, I'm like, oh, this is bad D'Lo. This is the D'Lo that is trying to give you 40, you know, 40 points in, in six threes or something like that. And uh, he sat down and it was, you know, his scheduled sit down, but it was more, I mean, it was perfect timing because he just picked up another foul and he was just playing terrible. And then he came in and he was under control and he was, you know, the orchestrator D'Lo and that's what we need. Um, he needs to be the calming effect. He can't be, he can't be scattered. Um, so I, I think that it might almost be helpful that we're away um, because, you know, less expectations and I mean, I think our team likes to be kind of booed a little bit. Like I think mm-hmm. D'Lo likes to play um, with adversity. I think he likes to play angry. Um, uh, so we'll see what happens. I, and I think what's going to be interesting is to see what kind of energy Memphis comes out. You said they're going to come out fiery um, because all that I know John Morant's been hearing nonstop is how are, you know, D, or Beverly on you, Beverly on you. How's Beverly on you going to be? Oh, but what's Beverly going to be like? Are you going to let him get in your head? How physical is Beverly? Like that kind of stuff might make them kind of push even harder and go maybe more physical. And, and hopefully they do. And hopefully they pick up some early fouls. But um, I'm just afraid the NBA wants them to move on. And, uh, you know, that's not good for us come foul time. Right. Anything to add, Jared? Uh, yeah, you know, I love that you you talked about the the early offense in the Clippers game. Um, it it was kind of stage, uh, it was you know kind of staging a little bit. But um, you know, one thing that really benefited us was that Anthony Edwards came out flamethrowing because if yeah. he didn't hit some of those, I think he had our first seven points, and if he doesn't hit 
you know, his first few shots, boy, we probably struggle and are probably down 10 right away. Um, yeah. So it's nice to have a guy like Anthony Edwards that just has that ability to, to put up points real quick when things aren't going good. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really big thing um, with how fast Ant started in that game. And it really kind of saved us, even though it was a close game. So not a lot of people really like stop and look at that. But I think that was a really big factor. And, you know, we, we talk about Ant and D'Lo both being kind of like streaky microwave players, you know, like once the microwave goes off, you know, it, it's done. And and I, I would say the same thing with uh, with Ant and D'Lo. And, and I love that they're coming into this game with confidence because basketball is a confidence sport. And we've talked about this many, many times. But once you see one go in, you know, and it's, you know, we're playing at 2.30 in Memphis on ESPN. I'll tell you what, once Anthony Edwards see that first one go in, I mean, look out because that dude's that dude's a killer, man, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I love that we have two of those type of players on our team that can just go off at any minute. So I think that's really big when starting a game or a series on the road that you're expected to lose to have two players that can just go nuts at any time is really kind of a, a key factor in the series. Right, and, and to... To kind of piggyback off that point, the last thing you said, I feel like all the pressure is on Memphis. Like, I, I feel like not a lot of it is on us. Now, obviously, we celebrated hard after the big game, but I, I don't know. I, I just feel like th- there's much more pressure on Memphis. There's much more at stake for them. Uh, but, yeah, and I, I think we could use that to our advantage, particularly if Memphis drops one of these first two home games and they got to oh, yeah. come here. Yeah, yeah, it drops one of those, and they got to come here for three and four. Like, they, they might start panicking a little bit. This is not really uh, – really as much as we're not a pressure assertive team, like Memphis hasn't really been there either. Like, no one, on, no one on Memphis has, has made a run in the playoffs, really. And so, Other than I don't Steven know. Adams. I mean, they pretty, yeah, much line Adams, up, yeah. they pretty much line up exactly with us with uh, – their starters with games played. I think Steven Adams has like a, you know, 50, but then so does Beverly. And then every one of the rest of their guys has like anywhere between five and, you know, seven or something like that. Like very, very small. Which is, which is actually kind of fun because you don't know what these guys are going to do. Right. Like you, you know, going into like, for let's say the Clippers make the playoffs, right. You, we kind of know what Paul George is going to do, although he's not in tonight. Uh, that that should hurt them a lot, but like like for like Kobe back in the day, like we knew what Kobe was going to do in the playoffs, right? Like uh-huh. everything, but we don't know what Jaw's going to do. We don't know what D'Lo is going to do. We don't know what Cat particularly is going to do. Are we going to see the Cat that we had uh, on Tuesday night, or are we going to get the Cat that puts up sixty against San Antonio? So I feel like there are a lot of wild cards out there. And somewhere that I wanted to take this conversation, Chris, I know you're talking about the group uh, in the group a little bit about this. You're excited to see – you think that Nas and uh, Towns are going to play together a little bit. So, yeah, I mean, through the year – they didn't they, – I think they played like 70 minutes all season together, which is, you know, not a minute lot. a game, you know, right. not even. But and, and it was terrible. Like, statistically, they didn't do well together. But surprise, you know, you didn't play much together. You're not going to do well together. But the I think they played eight minutes in like the last game or one of the games versus Memphis – and um, the stats were super good, like in that game specifically. And I mm-hmm. think it's something that we really need to look at because if they're going to go big, 
with um, Adams and uh, Jackson, we mm-hmm. can't, we can't really, we, we got to have some more size in there. And I don't think it's completely, I mean, it, it probably might not work just because we haven't done it much, but there's no reason why we can't have Vanderbilt, Nas and Cat in there. Like Vanderbilt, they always say you, you, the position you are is who you defend, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you're a, if you're a Vanderbilt, he's defending, you know, Luka Doncic, he's defending LeBron James, he's defending wings often. Like he's, that's not out of the ordinary for him. So for him to, you know, body up on some sort of wing and us go extra big, if we're getting killed on the glass some game, I would love to see it. I mean, just a wrinkle. Um, Mm -hmm. But that comes down to who these two coaches are, man. We've got probably two of the top, you know, top five guys in coach of the year in this game. That's true. And we don't. We they don't have playoff experience either, so we don't know what they're going to do either. Is it's going to be fun to see what they do, what these two coaches do, because they've played each other enough um, throughout the whole season. They've pretty much manned up Cat. They didn't double him much. Um, we'll see if they switch that up. Um, right. It's going to be fun. <laughs> Jared, anything to add on that? Do you want to see Cat, and not not for long periods of time, but do, right. the Cat Nas experiment for a little bit? I think Chris had the biggest, you know, thought of mine when that's, they're bigger than us, you know, like if we need to add size, it's not like, you know, like, like look at the Clippers series. It's not like they're running out uh, like the Timberwolves, for example. It's not like they're putting in Ivica Zubak and Hartenstein side by side. Like these are two athletic guys that can move around the court. Like they're not just big, dumb, slow guys, you know, like, Right. I, I think that's the biggest thing. It's Nas is he's got a little bit of everything to his game. Like he can he can shoot the three, he can dribble, he can, you know, play pretty solid defense. He boxes out well, like he's got hustle in him. And I think that's where where like I know Chris and, and and you guys have talked about it a little bit, is why sometimes Wolves fans get frustrated with why they don't see him more. But um that's kind of been like the biggest question mark for the last couple of years is why we haven't seen more Nas. Yeah. And I, we still really don't know the answer. And, and I think it, it just has to do with like, you know, when a guy checks in off the bench and he's like your spark plug and he plays like 10 to 15 minutes, I feel like there's not a whole lot more room for growth in that role in, of his. And, yeah. and I've kind of just moved on and willing, been willing to accept that. Um, as much as I love his game and I love his play, uh, I, I think we can see it. I think, it, you know, like you said, if they go big, on us and they're beating us up, which they've done multiple times. You know, they've owned yep. the offensive rebounds. It's not a crazy thought to put them in there side by side for five or six minutes just to see. I, I would say I would be more willing to try it if things are going bad. Like if we're getting yes. out rebounded by a bunch, then I would be like, okay, well, we need to change something up. Mm-hmm. Right now, I it's not like the first thing I would want to do in like game one, but right, you right. know, if we're getting bullied on the boards. I think it makes a ton of sense to try and play those guys together. I think mm-hmm. it's a card to have in your deck. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And also, Billy, I was at the game where, what, we gave up, like, how many offensive rebounds? I forgot. I forgot 26. But, like, to be fair, the uh, they, they missed so many three-pointers and so many shots after that. Like, 
Well, with someone like I don't think Desmond Bain had a great game. DeAnthony Melton, he's a good shooter, 37%. Desmond Bain at 43%. So if we give up that many offensive rebounds, I don't think we get lucky again too many times uh, with that. And that's where you can see Nas and and Cat. And also, I we didn't really touch on it in the last video, but I don't think we mentioned Nas really too much, but he played some clutch minutes. Uh, against the Clippers, and, and I think he had a three, had some clutch offensive rebounds. I mean, he was yeah. – Oh, no, he <laughs> saved us. I mean, yeah. we played better with him in than Cat for sure. And mm-hmm. he's a more willing ball mover. I mean, and, and you know, so in the opening I said, I think that was the best thing that could have happened to us is that game. And, right. and the reason I say that is, so like if D'Lo had a really bad shooting night, like if he was three for three for 15 and we won – Mm-hmm. I would not have said that because Cat, I'm not worried about. Cat is a right. very consistent player, and I'm not worried about dips in his performance affecting him going forward. Right. Um, other guys, I are, I am. Um, so I think that Cat seeing that, watching the tape, and even saying, I have to show my hands more on defense so I don't get these stupid fouls. I need to not go over the back when I've got a lot. Like that was. Even if he tried to say, like, you know, he didn't make much contact, but, you know, it just looks bad. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I did maybe force it a couple of times. And that's exactly what we said in the podcast. And people were, you know, maybe people were questioning me talking bad about Cap. But when you're double teamed um, and and you, you know, you initiate the hard double team, pass that ball. Like, you're not – that's – Cat, I love him to death. He's a very great finisher, but he's not agile. He's not the guy that's going to put like a, you know, put a dribble move, a you know, sham god on you and take it to the right. He's he's not Kyrie or something. No, you know, and he's not even he's not even truthfully he's not even Porzingis when it comes to wiggle. You know, like he needs to. You know, he's a straight line guy. He's a catch and shoot guy. That's his specialty, and he's amazing at it. Don't try to do things you're not. You know, that's what hurts the team is when guys start trying to do things that, they, that they're not. So mm-hmm. hopefully sitting back with his warm-up button to the very top button, he um, saw, you know, where he was missing and where Nas was helping was moving the ball around. Like, like uh, there was a play where Nas right at the end of the quarter, it's when we hit a huge three. Nas was driving and a guy stepped up and Nas could have maybe – put a floater up or something, but he, he kicked it completely. He was baseline to ba- you know, baseline pass to, uh, to Beverly for, or Beasley for that three. And it was a huge play. And it's like willingness to make that one extra pass um, mm-hmm. is huge for this team. Right. Absolutely. And I, I, I just think with the contract he's on, anything we get on a Nas is a positive. Oh, I mean, like, part of the fact that we're not playing him is awesome <laughs> for his contract because I think this is I think we're going to probably sign him this offseason. And the fact he's only played 15 minutes a game, we could probably lock him up for four million a year or five right. million. Where if he was playing 20, 25 with the, with what I think he's going to be, um, you know, he'd triple that. Right, and I think a lot of that's going to depend on playing the postseason as well. Uh, yeah. Like if he goes out, like. For for example, if he goes out and cat and they have cat uh, pinned down and they have a good uh, game plan against him and Nas comes in and wins us a series or not wins us a series but it's a big part of it as well yeah yeah I mean I, I could see that as well also I mean Nas 
I don't think when he came in the league he was much of a three point shooter, but he is. He's an he's okay. Kinda, he he's becoming a little bit. I I don't cringe when he shoots the ball from three. Is is what is what he's I'll got say. a nice stroke. Sometimes it feels like his feet aren't set, but he's got a nice stroke. Yeah, he does. He does. Uh, it is the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. What do you think? Should we go to predictions for game one or anything else you guys want to mention before go to predictions? All right, let's start with you, Jared. Predictions for game one. Um, I think that the game one scares me more than any other game, which is probably okay. the opposite of what you guys are feeling. Um, and the reason why is kind of dumb, um, but the – for my biggest reasoning for it is we play at two thirty on a Saturday afternoon, which I hate. Um, like I would love to be, you know, like like we talked about it when when the Clippers got to play here at like eight thirty in our state. Like, dude, that's Clipper time, you know. Like yeah. now we're playing at two thirty in the middle of the country. It just seems weird. Um, I think these two teams are very very even um, when it comes down to it. I think we're probably gonna lose game one. Um, okay. I just I think there's. There's going to be a little bit of a lull effect from the uh, from the the big huge win. I think that I think this series is going long. Um, I think it's going to come down to six or seven games. But but game one scares me the most. Uh, I just found something on my blanket and it came from Marissa. Uh, and this is what this series is going to come down to. And it's a it's a heart. Whoever's got the most heart will win this series. So okay. this this just came to me. Whoever wins the most. Whoever has the most heart will win this series. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. It's gonna be it's gonna be rough. And you know what? Like you said, six or seven games. Truthfully, that's all I want. Like, I don't think the Timberwolves are winning a championship this year. I'm not. I'm not expecting that. Um, so I just want a hard fought series where no games are complete blowouts, um, or at least there's not many of them, where everyone gets that experience, gets that you know the difference in how the games run. I mean, our last game, what do we, we won with what, 110 points, 100, you know, it's 12 109, or 109, 109. Yeah. Like that's not Tim basketball, <laughs> you know, um, the game was slow. The game was ugly. We didn't, we didn't pass it around much. Um, it's a different beast in playoff basketball. So mm-hmm. um, I just want to see cat have a game where he goes for 25 to 30, one of these games so he can shake off the, the bugaboo of, um, playoff, you know, playoff bad magic in his, in his, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, give me six, seven games. And I don't really care what happens because that's what we need. Like we're building a franchise. We're playing in franchise mode. We're not playing in season mode. Mm-hmm. Um, I say that a lot on, on our page because a lot of people seem to think very season mode all the time. And, and that's not what we're doing. Like we've got a 20 year old superstar, um, our other stars are 25. Um, mm-hmm. we, we're playing franchise mode right here. We're trying to just better ourselves to go forward. Right, absolutely. I I mean, I, I got to go Wolves in seven, but that's just mainly because of my I got Wolves in six. Wolves in six? Okay. What do you, what do you got, Jared? I, I saw the poll on the page. I also went Wolves in seven. Um, okay. I, I do think well, it's going to be a long Some people love the Timberwolves and some people don't. Obviously, I love the Timberwolves. <laughs> you guys are pretenders. But that's cool because we need that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but, I man, I'm just so excited. And let, let's end it with this. So we are T-minus playoff basketball. Like, how, how good does that sound? 
Like after years, and it's a team we can be proud of. Now I know the Jimmy Butler. I, I know you, Chris. You weren't even on board during the Jimmy Butler years, right? You weren't no, even. I didn't watch it. Yeah, uh, it was a rental. It wasn't our team. It was a rented team. Mm-hmm. I'm not right. into that. That's like right. driving a. That's like going and renting like a Corvette at Hertz and driving around like you're somebody special. Right. Know, nobody's nobody's it's not even your plates, dude. They say Hertz rent a car on it. Like, that's not a, <laughs> right. Taking it taking it to the class reunion, like, oh look yeah, at- yeah, that's not cool, man. <laughs> this is yeah. our car now. Like we've put miles on this car. Like this is ours. Right. So yeah, it's I, I'm just so excited for playoff basketball. It's going to be electric. It, after years of watching the twins go to the playoffs and wild go to the playoffs and now, I know they haven't had too much success in the playoffs, but still, the sentiment remains. We're going to the playoffs. We're going to be in Memphis tomorrow, 2.30. I'm going to see most ESPN. of the game. ESPN, yeah, national tele. Will you guys watch the ES- – are they doing Bally as well or not? They are. Which my legal stream gives me. I, I'll okay. actually be working the whole first half, and – I, I mean, if, if you come visit me tomorrow and I'm a little bit spacey, uh, that's why I'm probably watching the game. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. I, yeah, I work till like 3.15. But the good news is in my studio that I work in, there is a TV. I, there's no volume, but I can see it at least. So right, whatever. Uh, I get the I get the third quarter of Alan Horton, and that's always a real gift anyways. Oh, he's great. He's great. <laughs> By the way, Alan, if you ever want to come on the show, we'd love to yeah. have you. DMs are open. I'm going to watch the game until I have to leave to take my boy to uh, where I'm coaching uh, lacrosse in Minneapolis. I think it's the first game, I think, is 4 o'clock. Oh, okay. You'll see a little bit. We're all Alan Horton fans tomorrow for a little bit anyways. (laughs) Which is great because, like like I said, he's awesome. Like He's really good. I Obviously, I don't have much to judge it on, but he's – one of the best in the business, in my opinion. Well, anyway, this is the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Jared, thanks so much for being here. Absolutely. Go Wolves, baby. Let's keep rolling. Yeah, absolutely. Chris, thanks so much for being here. No problem. Maybe Sunday or Monday we'll do another one. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about what, what happened in game one. My name is Gabe Anderson. This is the Everything's Coming Up Timberwolves podcast. Make sure to like, share, and hit, and subscribe, and hit the bell on YouTube, and follow us on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And as always, go Wolves, beat Memphis. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.